Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. Hey everyone, I'm Philip Adams, and welcome to this special bonus episode of Terminal Exchange. Really quick first here, I want to give you our upcoming episode schedule. Typically, new episodes of Terminal Exchange drop on Tuesdays, but since next Tuesday is Christmas Eve, and we have another extra special exchange to share with you, we're moving up our release date to Monday, December 23rd. Then, we'll take a week off at New Year's Eve, so there won't be a new episode then, but we'll be back and resume our regular schedule in 2020 with part one of a two-part exchange on Tuesday, January 7th. As Christmas Day draws ever closer, we want to take this opportunity to help you pause for a moment, the next 25 minutes or so, and think on the true meaning of Christmas and how that impacts your life. I asked Paige Wood to craft together a creative telling of the uh, Christmas story as found in the writings of both Matthew and Luke in the New Testament. Paige did a fantastic job putting the story together, and I'm thrilled to share it with you here. I also invited Nussbaum chaplain Jim Ravel to share some additional thoughts on the Christmas story, so you will hear from him after the telling of the story, and he'll be spotlighting an often overshadowed character in the Christmas story. I want to personally wish every one of you and your families a very Merry Christmas that is filled with joy and celebration this year. I hope you enjoy this telling of the Christmas story, and I might even encourage you to share it with your family before everyone begins tearing into those presents. Whether you play this telling or or read it directly from Scripture, either way is fine. There is no greater gift anyone could receive than that of Jesus Christ. Here is the Christmas story. On a cloudless day in the city of Nazareth, nestled in Galilee, a mystifying experience began. Young Mary sat alone, sighing contentedly with the temperate warmth drenching her skin. Peace settled in as she thought about the changes coming in her life. She'd be a married woman before she knew it, taking on the responsibility of managing a home, serving her husband, and raising children. She was betrothed to Joseph of the house of David. Her stomach fluttered in anticipation. It was what was meant to be. Thoughts of her future slowly swirled as she rested her head back against the tree and let her eyes find a moment's rest behind the blackness of her lids. But suddenly, the blackness was filled with light. 
an unbelievable brightness came so that Mary had to shield her eyes, and a voice obstructed all other sounds as it said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary's heart pounded so hard she was sure it would beat its way straight out of her chest. Bolting upright with legs rigid and eyes wide, Mary took in the supernatural being before her. As breaths huffed in and out anxiously, her brain deciphered the meaning of the words from the angel Gabriel's mouth. Oh, favored one? She looked around, wondering if this frightful being was addressing someone else. Anyone else? Was this angel talking to her? Knowingly, the angel Gabriel continued, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Dumbstruck, Mary's unblinking gaze never left the face of Gabriel. She was apprehensive and frightened. She glanced at the empty path she'd come on, not a single person nearby. What if she were to be harmed? No, no, Gabriel was sent from the Lord. He would take care of her. So grasping at confidence she didn't feel, Mary looked back up to the angel. How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered without hesitation. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Hearing of her cousin Elizabeth, Mary's defenses lowered. Elizabeth? Pregnant? That's impossible. But the angel's last words squelched her thought. For nothing will be impossible with God. A sense of knowing flooded Mary, and peace, wisdom, and the humbling commission before her was no longer frightening. She was ready. She wasn't in this alone. The power of the Most High was upon her, and she was to grow and bear the Son of God. She set her jaw and said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary couldn't sit back down now. Her feet found the path she'd walked and retraced her steps home. Her thoughts raced as her eyes scanned back and forth across the way as she pondered the words she had heard. You will conceive. You shall call him Jesus. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. For nothing will be impossible with God. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. But she was carrying a child, and she was unwed. It wasn't even the child of her betrothed Joseph that she carried. As if to mock her, or was it divine appointment? She ran directly into someone. 
Still lost in thought over the unexpected event, Mary's head knocked into Joseph's chest. Hello, Mary. His lighthearted tone contrasted the deep thoughts pooled in Mary's eyes. Joseph immediately recognized her distress, and his tone became serious as he took her aside. Mary, what is it? Are you all right? As words tumbled about in her head in a slow caress, her hand drifted to her stomach. She opened her mouth to speak, but Joseph's eyes traveled to the movement of her hand. The world slowed as he registered her telltale motion, and he stepped back with a quick intake of breath. Joseph, wait! Mary took a step towards him and words rushed out. I, I'm pregnant, but it's not as you might think. The angel Gabriel visited me, and the Holy Spirit fell upon me. He's a holy child. He's not of this world. He is the Son of God. Her words sounded crazy, even to herself, but she knew they were true. Joseph's mind reeled, and he stepped away again as Mary reached towards him. That's just... Mary, I, I can't. He sighed, cutting each sentence off so he wouldn't say something he'd regret. Rubbing his jaw, he squeezed his eyes shut tight. Each word punched out forcefully. Give me some time. Alone. As he walked away, his shoulders hunched down further and further with each step. How in the world was he supposed to believe Mary? He tried to accommodate her sin as he thought, yes, yeah, she was young, but... But how could she be so careless? They were supposed to start a family together, and now, here she was, pregnant, and coming to him with someone else's child. What was he supposed to do with her? He was hurt, but he would not let bitterness rule his heart. Though the ugly thoughts snaked out of the depths of his mind, he took care to quickly step on them before they could sink their venom-filled fangs into his heart. If he let the bitterness take over, he would ruin her easily but he could not he would not do that with a fitful expression he decided to hold true to the law he must divorce her they could not begin their marriage on a lie but he would not disgrace her publicly they could keep it under the rug couldn't they he'd make sure of it oh Mary as the day closed Joseph laid down to sleep he was sure rest wouldn't possibly come, not with these thoughts and images in his head, but he had to try. Mary was pregnant, and not with his child. However, sleep did come to him, miraculously, until he was overrun with a dream so vivid, sweat dripped from his brow and his body clenched with adrenaline. As clear as day, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. With a jolt, Joseph rose from his bed. His feet paced back and forth, and he shook his hands out incredulously. How in the... could it really... She wasn't like Mary. Mary. Mary was pregnant with the promised one, the one the prophet told about, the son of the Most High, Jesus, the son of God. 
he would do as the angel of the Lord said. He would take Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Months passed, and a decree came out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Because Joseph was of the house and lineage of David, he and Mary, his now wife, his now very pregnant wife, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of Bethlehem, to be registered. Swollen, tired, and for lack of better words, about to pop, Mary waddled into town by Joseph's side. She was eager to find a place to rest from the journey. The town was alive with the added population from the census, so alive it was bursting at the seams, much like Mary's belly. Joseph moved from door to door, end to end, looking for a place to stay. With high spirits, Mary encouraged Joseph, I'm sure there's a place nearby. We'll find something. And I'll be just fine until then. But she didn't tell him about the timely twinges that tightened her back every few minutes. As time wore on and more doors closed in their faces, Joseph's face drew more and more gaunt. He wasn't ignorant. He saw how Mary smiled and puffed a few power breaths as she breathed through the contractions of early labor. As night fell, He thanked God that her water hadn't broken. They had time. Until they didn't. Mary's quaking voice drew Joseph to her quickly. Joseph, the baby is coming. Soon. I I need to lie down. In a panic, Joseph rushed up a set of steps close by and pounded on the inn's door without mercy. He wanted the wood to splinter. He was desperate for the door to open whether it was by the power of his fists or the welcoming of a hand on the other side. When the door never faltered and a voice penetrated through the wood instead, Joseph about lost it, to say the least. No room. Lie in the stable tonight. In a second, he was beside Mary again, guiding her into the barn, praying for help with every ounce of his being. Struggling to conceal her discomfort, Mary groaned inwardly, but sometimes audibly, as the pain grew greater. She would have a son. She would have the Son of God. Tonight. In Bethlehem. In a barn. She tried to keep it cool, but the whole situation was too much for her, and a small, unrestrained smile crept over her as a contraction ended. God knew her, and he would take care of her. Joseph buzzed around, piling straw, pulling together scraps of cloth and blankets, drawing water, shooing animals, and speaking what he thought were soft words of affirmation to Mary. But what Mary really heard were well-meant words tainted with bubbling panic below the surface. She was in the Lord's hands, and he would deliver his son. Now, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, illuminating the hills like sunlight, casting shadows with the brightness, and making the shepherds yield their hands over their eyes for protection. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Magnifying the scene even more and raising goosebumps on the shepherd's arms, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then the angels returned to heaven. The shining light left as quickly as it came, and the shepherds were left in the still of the night once again. With racing hearts and wide eyes, the shepherds jostled one another with unrestrained excitement and tempered disbelief. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Dust stirred from their feet as they hurried into town. The shepherds howled in excitement and anticipation. They went with haste to find Mary and Joseph. Could it be true? Was the Messiah here? A babe? In Bethlehem? The shepherds' excited chatter diminished to revered silence as they eased into the stable. Rustling straw, munching animal mouths, and the warm breath of the beasts filled their senses. And then they saw him. Their knees quivered and their eyes filled as Mary and Joseph looked up to their entrance with a smiling greeting. And there lay the baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. As they exited the stable, adrenaline refilled their blood vessels, coursing through them and pushing their excitement over the edge. He was here, the Messiah. With unabashed adoration, they made their way through the town and they made known the saying that they had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But back in the stable, snuggling her precious babe, a gift from God to not only her, but to the world, to save the lost, to absolve the sinner. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and they gave him the name Jesus. Each year we get to revisit the Christmas story, and I think a lot of times we see pictures on Christmas cards and programs at schools and at church that present sort of this idyllic kind of presentation of Christmas, of this beautiful, lovely scene. But I think there's a lot of emotion connected with Christmas that sometimes we miss. Um, It was very chaotic for all of the persons involved, and there are a lot of characters in the story 
Um, when you think about this, just think about this for a minute. Um, the entire society was in upheaval because a census was being taken. But can you imagine, think for a minute, 2020 is a census in America if every person had to go back to the town of their birth. Planes, trains, automobiles, Airbnb, all the hotels, Verbo, it would be chaotic. And that was kind of the atmosphere that happened at the birth of Jesus. And we see pictures of Mary with sort of this beautiful look on her face and a glow over her head and the baby Jesus cooing. But the fact is, it was in a barn that he was born with all kinds of horrific smells and animals and a young teenage girl by herself without her mother, her aunt, a midwife. And so that was very emotional. But I was thinking about another character in the story that we often overlook, and that is Joseph. Um, And I was reminded of that because my wife is a music director in the church, in a church that we attend, and she was looking for songs that featured Joseph. And they're few and far between. Think about what that guy was going through. And it helps us identify in our own life. Have you ever been dealt a curve? You had your life all planned out. Here was a young man. He had his career in place. He was a good, solid working guy, blue-collar worker. Had his uh, life set, was planning on marrying this young woman. And he was hit with something that flipped his entire world upside down. And, and I don't think we really can identify with what he was experiencing. Can you imagine the one that you're betrothed to in marriage coming to you and telling you she's pregnant? And of course, as we just heard read, there were some emotions that he had to feel. And we know something very clearly in the story. We know that he didn't believe her. He absolutely didn't believe her, but he was a stand-up guy so, so the scripture says Joseph was a good man. He didn't want to publicly disgrace Mary, so he was going to quietly divorce her, meaning that he didn't believe her story, but he was still trying to treat her with, dis, with, a, with a level of respect. And I don't know if you've—maybe you're in a situation right now or you've been in situations where you're baffled, you're confused, you don't know what to do, and that's where Joseph was at. And so here's some lessons that I picked up from Joseph. First of all, life throws us curves. He got thrown a curve. This completely changed, not just for that moment, but for the rest of his life. There was a cloud that sort of hung over him, and sort of the, uh, there was sort of the scuttlebutt behind the scene was always a question about how that baby was born. But I think... The second thing that I would bring to you is this, that in all of the characters in the Bible story, when God sent an angel to them or a messenger, the first words were always, do not fear or don't be afraid. That God is very much in tune with our emotions. Joseph probably experienced anger, frustration, confusion, fear, questions. But for you to receive something into your life, it's hard to sort of navigate through life when emotions are overwhelming us. And for Joseph, I'm sure that would have been the case. So God's interested in that, and he does not want us to be controlled by our emotions. We have emotions, but we need to be able to process those and deal with them. The third thing is this, that God comes to us to help us untangle a situation. And that's what he did with Joseph. He sent an angel, gave him a dream, a a dream with an angel in it. 
And that messenger told him exactly what to do. And whenever God comes to us, when life throws us a curve, I would say this. God's plan many times doesn't make sense. But whenever God comes into our life, his plan doesn't make sense, but it's always what I call a bigger, better deal. It always has larger ramifications. And so here's what I would say to you as you think about this Christmas story. God has a plan for your life. And as, I, as we look at this, life may have invaded you with something that is God's hand. Maybe there's something that's turned your world upside down by reason of our own failed choices, or perhaps we've been put upon by someone else's choices, or just life in general. But I am here to assure you of this. God can take wherever you're at. And when you lean into him, Joseph's response was to respond to God and to cooperate with his plan. See, when you go cross-counter against what God wants, it makes it really tough. But when Joseph surrendered, God began to put together a plan that was better than Joseph could have ever designed for himself. There's a verse in the Bible, in uh, the book of Jeremiah, and it's in the New Living Translation. It says this, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Good plans to take care of you, not to hurt you. My plans will give you a future and a hope. Don't you love that phrase? I know what I'm doing. I know in my life, a lot of times, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I don't have explanation for how things have turned out the way they are. But I know this, when you lean into God, God can take the most twisted, strange, senseless, unexplainable thing, and he can turn it around for the good. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I pray that your holiday season is filled with joy, laughter, family, uh, good food, good friendship. And again, if you're in a moment in life where you need to talk, uh, we encourage you to join us and, and give us a call. Uh, Jim Ravel here, the chaplain. The number is one 322 chap That's one 322 2427 And my extension is 5017. The best news that ever hit the planet. Good tidings of great joy that's for every person. The birth of Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas.